everyone, and welcome to week one of the Athletics Fantasy Football Ranking Show. I'm your host, Michael Beller. Be joined every week in this space by my co-hosts, Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. They're going to be the brains behind the operation. I'm going to be the guy moving things along, uh, hitting them up for their analysis. We're going to go over as many players as we possibly can every single week. We'll hit on interesting discussions, whether it's somewhere where Jake and Brandon differ, uh, just an interesting player, depending on where he's slotting in the rankings, guy who's maybe dealing with an injury. We're going to hit every sort of angle in the fantasy football rankings that we can for you every single week. This Wednesday show will come to you free every week uh, on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you can uh, find your podcasts. On Fridays, we will do a subscribers-only update to the ranking show. Jake and Brandon, they're great, but those guys are very busy come Fridays. That one will just be me and Derek Van Riper, another uh, producer in our fantasy department. But we'll have your rankings, we'll have your lineups covered all week long, all season long, right here on the Athletics Fantasy Football Ranking Show. With that little bit of housekeeping, I want to bring those co-hosts in. Jake, Brandon, how you guys doing here going into week one? Ready for it to start. It's been too long. We've already talked about every single player, I feel like, on every single team at this point. And this this week, I'm doing good. Uh, good to be here, Michael, uh, Jake as well. Uh, I look forward to talking rankings all year long, but I'm looking forward to getting past this week, getting into the week, uh, and putting the draft season behind us. We're still in that odd kind of got one toe in the draft season waters and one toe in the week one waters, and uh, I'd like to just get in, in and through week one and start talking about the real thing. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. And, you know, I'm pretty excited to sit back. I I host a bunch of shows here at The Athletic, but I'm happy to have one show where I just get to be over the conversation, directing the conversation, and let you guys really be the brains for me. So I want to thank you in advance for what you're about to give the next four months. (laughs) So you're already talking too much is what you're telling us. (laughs) Maybe a little bit, but I plan to really scale that back throughout the rest of this episode and everyone going forward. And I also think that we're making a little bit of uh, athletic history. I haven't cold the entire uh, podcast roster, but I'm in the central time zone. Jake's in the eastern time zone, and Brandon is in the Pacific time zone. And I think this is the first three time zone show that we have here at The Athletic, so I assume our award is in the mail. Well, who do we who do we know in Colorado? We need to we need to get that mountain time zone taken care of as well. Yeah, right. That'd be great. Really round everything out. Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> oh man. So this is this is what you can expect for this for the rest of the season here only with a whole lot more analysis. We're going to start that right here. Basically what we're going to do every single week in this show is go position by position. We'll run down Brandon and Jake's ranks and again, wherever there's interesting discussions, we'll get into them. So start right off the top with the quarterback rankings. I'll give you each guy's top 10, and then we'll get into some of the more interesting players and interesting discussion topics from there. So Jake's top 10 quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, and Dak Prescott. And again, this is just for week one, for their week one games uh, coming up here, whether it's Thursday, Sunday, or Monday Night Football. A lot of a uh, lot of agreement here. Uh, we look over to Brandon. He's got Deshaun Watson, number one, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, Carson Winston, or Carson Wentz, excuse me, and Drew Brees is his top five. Patrick Mahomes coming in six. Lamar Jackson seven. Baker Mayfield eight. 
Jared Goff, nine, and Cam Newton, number 10. Uh, Jake, I want to start with you. Uh, first, any any um, methodology that uh, you have for week one that differs from the rest of the season, or is this just uh, with the with the way that you see these guys shaking out based on, on their matchups, on how you feel about them coming into the year, a- any sort of uh, thinking there? Yeah, it's what everybody says all the time. If you want to talk about just the cliche of start your studs, there's some that maybe people don't consider studs, but you didn't draft somebody in the first five rounds just to bench them. There's a reason you draft them in the first five rounds because those are the guys with the upside who also floor is likely still a starter for you. So I, I think people overthink it. Just they get so excited about week one and start overthinking everything. Just look, just start the guys that you trust of being there. And then, of course, you can play some matchups with the methodology thing side of it. You know, there's no information to really go on for this season. Yes, we can use the talent that we see from last year and project through that, but we've seen time and again, I always call back to, it was two years in a row, the Giants were one season where it was avoid the Giants' defense, and then there were so many injuries and changes that by the second half it was stack everybody against the Giants, where conversely, the next year, which was just two years ago, it was the Saints who did the exact opposite at the beginning of the season. If everybody remembers, was draft a bunch of Falcons. They face them in weeks 14 and 16. <laughs> and then by the end of that season, it was, oh, my God, they're facing the Saints. This isn't what we thought it was going to be. Uh, you can pretty much tell you start Julio Jones and nobody else. So don't know, you know, that uh, my entire point in that saying is, you know, don't overreact to week one. But also there is we're basing a lot of information off projections that we're assuming and doing our best job at. Yeah, Brandon, same question to you. Anything different about week one compared with the weeks uh, that are going to be coming after this? Well, I would I would agree with Jake uh, for the most part. It's, uh, you know, we are you're almost just at, in week one. You you got to tell yourself you don't know as much as you think, you know, uh, about what what the other team's defenses are going to be. And you, and you play a little bit less matchup and more just uh, straight off your draft rank. Because I'll say that. uh the one caveat here is I think I play a little bit more matchups at the quarterback position because God, we loved about 20 of these guys. They're almost all studs. And so, <laughs> um, and so I have to differentiate him some way. And I, I look at, I've already moved Jerry Goff down. He's not in my top 10 anymore. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be moving these guys all the way up till Sunday, trying to get a feel. Um, but I would say that like the, you know, the second 10 of my quarterbacks, there's a bunch of those guys that I considered uh, for top 10 nomination and, and I have to break them, you know, apart some way. And so when I see a Cincinnati and Atlanta as a matchup, and those were the two worst teams in the league against quarterbacks in fantasy last year, it's still going to mean a little bit to me if I have to break ties. Certainly. Well, and make sure, hold on, Mike, I was going to say, make sure we notice and focus on one thing that he said in there is you don't have to set your lineups today. You only have to set two teams tomorrow. We update these rankings all the way up till kickoff on Sunday. They're going to change for both of us and they're going to continue to change. That's why you have the Friday show. That's why we're going to keep updating them. I know, again, everybody's excited and we're here to help you set your lineups all week long. But remember, you can still make changes all the way to Sunday. What we say on Wednesday, things can happen and change on Thursday and Friday that kind of tweak things. It's a good lesson to take forward for the rest of the season because this is pretty much the only week where we're not going to really be dealing with any sort of injury report also. So things are really going to change. You'll be able to get Jake's and Brandon's rankings right here on the show and on the on the site uh, this early in the week, every week. But as Jake just said, they're going to be updating them all the way up to kickoff on Sunday. So you're always going to want to check back for that. All right, one guy I want to talk about, a guy that you both have ranked highly. Brandon, maybe you've already changed it, but uh, at least when we <laughs> talked about it earlier today – both of your QB7 for this week 
is Lamar Jackson. Uh, obviously a very popular guy coming into the season. Uh, Ravens are major favorites. I believe they were favored by a touchdown last I saw at Miami this week. Jake, we'll start with you on this one. Why you got Lamar Jackson as a comfortable start this week? Because he's going to be a comfortable start for me pretty much every week. I love Lamar Jackson. Seven's actually where I had him for the season. Uh, the only person that I know that probably likes him more than I do is our friend Emery Hunt, the part of our staff over here. Like The truth is, he only has to be a mediocre quarterback, and the offense didn't change much last year when he came in. It started running the ball more, but they didn't change the passing playbook that much. And now you have an entire offseason focused on his strengths and what are weaknesses he definitely still needs to develop but just like Jared Goff the book wasn't written for his rookie season and that he was going to be a terrible quarterback there are there's still room for him to grow but again he doesn't even have to be Jared Goff he's not going to be Jared Goff he doesn't even have to be a top 10 quarterback passing the ball he just has to be middle of the road which is what I have him for and running for seven eight nine hundred yards is going to make him a great play because it's not the even Tyrod Taylor years where, hey, a free 35, 40 rushing yards is a free passing touchdown. It's more like 50 or 60. And then if he runs one in, you're getting almost two or three passing touchdowns. So I can't see a scenario unless he just falls on his face. And now we're talking about job jeopardy where I don't see Lamar Jackson being a QB one for me every single week, let alone the fact he's facing the Dolphins. Yeah, Brandon, same thing to you here. Uh, is this just a uh, Lamar Jackson love uh, across the board, or is there something special about this matchup that has him in your top 10? Yeah, well, I, I like Lamar Jackson as well. I have him ranked QB 12 going into the season. And uh, so why do you hate I'm Lamar Jackson? To... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> How dare I rank him as a back end QB one? Um, and we don't know what the defenses are going to be from year to year, but I'm feeling pretty good about this matchup against Miami. I, 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 sh I certainly like him playing Miami, and I'm going to feel a lot more better about ranking him higher uh, against Miami than I would if he started on the road against the Bears. So, I mean, look, at I'm, I'm willing to throw that out there and say I'm feeling confident that, that Miami is not going to be as good a defense as the Bears, and they more than likely are going to be a bottom-half defense. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about this team just kind of going to play out the string, play for a draft pick. They traded a, a popular player in, in Laramie Tunsil uh, for draft picks. And I, I, I worry about this team morale wise. Uh, but, you know, if I, if I, if I view Lamar Jackson in the quarterback one lens for the season, I'm certainly going to feel, you know, feel like he's a top 10 play against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, like I said, it's a touchdown spread with the Ravens favored on the road. So might not be uh, Lamar Jackson might not be the only Raven who we uh, talk about here or who you who you're going to want to get into your lineups. Of course, uh, top ten guys; those are guys that you uh, whether you know, no matter where you got them, first, tenth, whatever, you're comfortably starting them. As we move to eleven to twenty, that's maybe where we get into more of a pure start sit discussion. So for Jake's QBs, eleven through twenty, we've got Russell Wilson at eleven. Kyler Murray at 12, Ben Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, and Jared Goff round out the top 15. 16 through 20, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Mitch Trubisky, that's the Thursday night game, Phillip Rivers, and Matt Ryan. Moving over to Brandon, again, he's going to be a little bit different, I guess, but here we go, 11 to 20, Aaron Rodgers at 11, Kyler Murray at 12, Aaron Rodgers is an interesting one, we'll come back to that, Tom Brady at 13, Kirk Cousins at 14, Ben Roethlisberger at 15, Dak Prescott Philip Rivers, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, and Mitch Trubisky. Brandon, I'll start with you. You said right away, uh, Matt, you're gonna you're willing to play the matchups here in Week One, uh, listeners. If you're getting this before Thursday, this will be before Bears Packers kick off the season uh, in Week One. 
Uh, Brandon, I'm assuming that the, uh, the matchup for Aaron Rodgers has a lot to do with why you've got him as QB number 11. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I still, you know, I think if you drafted Aaron Rodgers, you're still playing him unless you, uh, I, I I guess it's possible you took one of these other guys that we've already talked about as one of your backups, but uh, I probably wouldn't have. And, um, you know, I think the, I think the line, the over-under line for Rodgers in this game is like 270-something pass yards, which is a decent number. And if anybody can put up, you know, that number or more against the Bears, it's Rodgers. Can you throw a couple touchdowns? I think it's certainly possible if he does that. He's kind of in that, you know, back-end QB1 mix. And uh, so, yeah, I'm discounting him more than I normally would. This is about as bad a mass- matchup for him as he's going to come across. I still feel like if you draft him as your starter, you're playing him as your starter. Your guy's biggest divergence at the quarterback position, at least in terms of someone one of you would start and someone one of you maybe wouldn't, is with Josh Allen. Jake, you've got Josh Allen as QB 14. Brandon, you've got him as QB 21. Let's start with Jake. What's the argument for playing Josh Allen in week one? The argument is he was QB one as in one overall, not a QB one, one overall in points and points per game over the last five games last year, never throwing for more than 231 yards. So, I understand, like, look, I don't have him as QB1. I don't even have him as a QB1, but the rushing upside is there. The rushing, he's he's Cam Newton, and everybody's just like, they don't want to make the comparison or don't make the comparison for whatever reason it might be, but just like Cam Newton early in his career, he also has accuracy concerns. Cam Newton was always a better passer, and there's still huge questions about Josh Allen, but again, 231 yards, throwing around 200 yards a game. I think Josh Allen can get much better passing the ball, just even if he's throwing 240 or 250 a game, which is still a very low bar for a quarterback with Cole Beasley and John Brown there now. And again, you're going to tell me he's going to run for about 50 yards a game, maybe even more. I honestly, I I think that 14 might even be a little bit low. All right, Brandon, you heard that. What do you say? Why you got him as outside the top 20 QB here in week one? Josh Allen's going to be the hardest quarterback to rank because if he doesn't run, he he will literally most likely give you nothing and be at in, in the low twenties in terms of ranking. So uh, I've heard, you know, I've heard some lip service given to the fact that they're not going to want to run him as much. I think a lot of the moves they made in the off season, bringing in John Brown and Col- Cole Beasley and bringing in TJ Yeldon and Frank Gore and drafting Devin Singletary say, yeah, uh, we need to kind of bring some other weapons around him. So he doesn't have to run as much. He's still going to be a threat to run. He's still going to be one of the better running quarterbacks, but you know, he had, he had big numbers last year against most teams because of these 90 and hundred yard games. That's why he was rushing yard games. And that's why he was the number one quarterback down the stretch. I don't think that's what Buffalo wants to do. Uh, I think it'll, I think it'll still happen a bit, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of betting on a little bit of it being more like a 40 to 50 yards uh, on the ground. Maybe doesn't get into the end zone on the ground. And if he doesn't to me, that's, you know, QB 21. It's a sneaky, intriguing game, I think. Bills, Jets. Jets are slight favorites in that one. Both you guys low on Sam Darnold. So neither of you want to make an argument for Darnold as a starter necessarily here this week. Does this mean, and I'll start uh, with you, Brandon, that uh, that you like the Bills to go in and win, even though you've got uh, 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 Josh Allen outside your top 20 QBs? I don't, I don't know that I like the Bills to go in to win. I think they can go in and cover it. What's the, the spread? Is like, what, three and a half? Or yeah, three, three, three and a half, depending on where you're looking at it. Yeah, I think this could come down. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a very close game. I don't think it's going to be super high scoring either. I think, uh, you know, we'll see some kind of a kind of a territory war here where field position becomes a big deal. Um, 
So I just don't think it's a high upside game in general in terms of fantasy value. That's why I don't, I'm not very high on Sam Darnold. But I think this Buffalo Bills defense is going to be pretty good as well. I think they got a decent amount of talent there. So I like Sam Darnold overall. I just don't really love him out of the gate in week one in this kind of a setup. One more quarterback I want to hit before we move on from here is Jared Goff. I think a lot of people uh, out there, if you draft Jared Goff, you pretty much assume he's going to be uh, a regular starter. Uh, Jake, you've got him as QB 15. Brandon, you initially had him as QB 9. You said you've already moved him down a little bit. Uh, So, Jake, you've got him basically right on that start-sit border where, depending on the rest of your roster, maybe you're starting him, maybe you're not. What's the case against him this week? Case against him is what happened last week during the bye, and credit to whoever it was, I still haven't been able to find it, but there was a report out there that it wasn't just the loss of Cup, which we all know the loss of Cup was significant, but it was also the fact that defenses started disguising what they were going to do, waiting for the headset to click off between Sean McVay and Jared Goff, because they knew Jared Goff couldn't do much adjustment without Sean McVay speaking into his ear, and if you look at bye week and on all the way through the playoffs, Jared Goff's numbers were abysmal. Like his touchdown percentage, his touchdown rate, everything went down dramatically. Mostly in those touchdown departments, it, like it was almost half of what he was before. And I do believe Sean McVay is good enough to coach up Jared Goff again. I do believe Jared Goff can get better than what he was in those games. I still have reservations of Jared Goff as a whole, as a quarterback. And in Carolina, you know, outdoors, not on the track, uh, but also against a defense that has started to get better last year. I don't think it's a great defense, but I think it's one that at least makes you pause and maybe I'm a week too late and maybe I want to see it, but I do. I do want to see Jared Goff not look like the quarterback we saw at the end of last year before I'm ready to stick him in my lineup. Brandon, where do you have him now? You said you bumped him down from QB9. Where do you have him sitting at now? At 14, and some of it has to do with what Jake just said. He was he, His numbers dropped precipitously in the second half of the season. You could say, oh, well, Cooper Cup wasn't there, and Todd Gurley uh, was hurt a little bit, and there's, there's something to that. But it's absolutely true that Sean McVay has been puppet mastering this guy to fantasy success, and teams have figured a, a workaround on that. I also just looked at his road numbers last year, and they were atrocious. He had 10 touchdown passes in eight games last year on the road. Now, he was really good on the road the year before, so that's probably just a bit of an anomaly. But I think there was enough question marks there, and it gets back to how deep this quarterback class is. I think if you start to have question marks, uh, you have a really hard time ranking a guy as, as a QB1 because there's so many good ones that you can move up in there that you have. if you don't have as many question marks, uh, you might as well do that. Let me ask you this, guys, this before we move on. We'll get to wide receivers here in a second. I'm not going to skip over running backs, but you know, both of you have uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup all listed anywhere in your top 25. Uh, you got a couple of them in top 20 receivers. Does that factor in at all when you're thinking about ranking their quarterback, specifically Jared Goff? We'll go to you first, Jake. Well, it's the same question I got in the preseason when they're, I got in my season-long rankings. You have all three in your top 30. How do you have Jared Goff at QB 16 or whatever he was at? And it's twofold. For one is the quarterback position is flat as hell. I mean, you go from QB 5 or 6 down to QB 20, and we're talking about one point per week, maybe two points per week. So that's one. One game is going to skew a quarterback seven spots, and that's not an exaggeration. Uh, the flip side of it is – the reason people kind of like, I understand what they're saying. And then when I always talk about projections, you have to have a waterfall effect. If you have blank passing yards for the team, you have to have blank receiving yards for everybody catching the ball, running backs, tight ends, everybody. The thing about the Rams 
is it's Todd Gurley and three wide receivers. They barely use Gerald Everett or Tyler Higby. They barely use their tight ends. Their fourth wide receiver, which a lot of teams usually have a third and a fourth wide receiver mixing in for those targets. It's those, That's the point is it's those three. Those three are cannibalizing the majority of those targets and yards from, from Jared Goff. So Jared Goff doesn't necessarily need to throw for 4,800 yards and 40 touchdowns for those three to still be in the top 30 because unlike most teams, all three of them are taking so much of the share. Brandon, anything to add, or did Jake? I, yeah, much I don't know. I think there? I think he said it very well. <laughs> I was going to mention the fact that they're not going to throw their tight ends at all. It's yeah. it's a lot easier for wide receivers to ascend up, but the quarterback still to be fighting the hand, headwind of of the other quarterbacks in his class. Uh, you know, you get get a couple of receivers, get seventy five yards, maybe one of them scores a touchdown. Um, you know, they're all going to be. And they're all going to be relatively high, but you know, I, you rank them all high because of the likelihood that one of them is going to do something big. And, and, you know, it, it could be a rotating thing or two out of three are going, but you just, I don't know how you say week in and week out who is going to be the one who is third and who's going to be the one who's first. So you kind of have to rank them all sort of in that range because you know, in the end, when the dust settles are all going to be fairly similar and from week to week, you know, one or two of them will stand out a little bit more than the other. But again, it's hard to tell who is who. All right, guys, let's move over to the running back position. A lot of the usual suspects up at the top, a lot of guys that you would expect. Uh, guys are going to be starting no matter whether you've got them running back one, running back five, running back ten, whatever, so we don't need to go over them. There is a couple of guys, or there are a couple of guys, excuse me, up toward the top of your rankings that I'm interested in uh, talking to you guys about. The first one who really jumps out is Carrion Johnson. Uh, Jake, you've got him running back 15. I would say that's probably a, a pretty good industry average, pretty good reflection of where most people expect him to be uh, in week one. Uh, Brandon, you've got him as running back four. Carry on Johnson, a top five running back. The Lions are at the Arizona Cardinals here in week one. Uh, I mean, everyone's starting him, but make the case why his owners are maybe going to get carried to a win by Carry on Johnson. Well, I, I know Jake's going to throw out Ty Johnson and say he's going to be a factor. He's going to be the new Theo Riddick. I really think they got rid of Theo Riddick because they're going to use this guy in the passing game a lot more. I think he's going to be a true three-down running back. I do like the matchup against Arizona. I don't think Arizona is going to get better, a whole lot better than what they were last year. Uh, they have some pretty big losses on that defense. I think they're they're going with the best defense is a, is a better offense approach with Cliff Kingsbury. So I think Arizona this you know, they're going to come out in their air raid offense. I think it's going to be an attempt here for them to push the score. I think the pace will be good for carry on Johnson. I think the opponent's good for carry on Johnson. I think he's going to come out in week one and have a really big workload. And I think he'll have a lot of room to work with. So I'm higher on carry on Johnson than probably everybody in the industry, but I, I, I just really, really, <laughs> really believe in this guy's talent. I think he's one of the, one of the most talented running backs all around in the league. Yeah, running back four, definitely uh, safe to say you're probably higher on him than everyone in the industry. Jake's got him as running back 15, like I said. Anyone who has on Johnson is starting him, but I had to ask you about him, why you had him so highly uh, ranked going into uh, this week one matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, move on to our next topic here. Uh, oh, from... hold on. I want to ask him something. <laughs> oh, man. I, All right. my I, bad, my I knew that wasn't going to just. I just thought since you, had, since you had him, it's such a standard spot that we can move on. But no, by all means, yeah, no, please no, no, go no. for it. No, because I, I'll even reference something I said in my sleepers column is call it vanilla chocolate. I don't care if cookie dough with cookie bites in it, whatever it might be, that defense is going to be trash. And I don't care what we saw in the preseason. That was the joke I was making. But I just want to ask Brandon, did Patricia get replaced? 
That, that's my only question. That's, because if it was a different coach, I'd be with you. But he loves his roles. And I, I don't think now Ty Johnson's not Theo Riddick. I think he's a lesser version of him. But he's going to give C.J. Anderson the goal line in the short yards, just like LeGarrette Blount. And he's going to give Ty Johnson some pass catching options. I just, if it was any other coach, I'd be with you. I don't know. I mean, I could I can understand LeGarrette Blount getting the, the goal line stuff last year. I think C.J. Anderson is not a... I don't think he's a guarantee that he's going to steal the goal line stuff. And I also think that, you know, Daryl Bevel's running this offense. They want to be, they want to be Seahawks like in just the, the, the volume of runs. So I think there's, even if he has to give away some of that to see Janet, I think there's more there. Uh, there's a bigger piece of pie uh, for, for carry on Johnson than in a lot of places where maybe there's just a singular bell cow. I, I think, I think you can have a somewhat of a equitable uh, workload just because they're going to be so much more run heavy than a lot of teams in the league. Yeah, All right. All right. All right. Now we, we good now. <laughs> we're good. Now. Look, we're not good, but we're good. <laughs> uh, all, right. all right, here we go. The, one of the one of the most interesting guys in week one, uh, no matter what you think about him going into week one, I think we're all going to have our eyes on him is Damian Williams. Uh, this was a guy who uh, caused a lot of uh, discussion in the summer as we were uh, getting our initial rankings together and drafting teams and doing all of that. Then right at the end of the summer, the Chiefs go out. They acquire the cut LaShawn McCoy. McCoy gets to uh, team back up with Andy Reid, throw a wrench into those Damian Williams plans, or so it might seem. Uh, you guys both have him as a pretty comfortable start this week, obviously. Uh, Jake, you've got him as running back 18, Brandon as running back 22. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you. Obviously, you're starting him. I think that's true for everyone. But what are you hoping to see if you have Damian Williams in some high leverage spots? What do you want to see this week uh, from a realistic standpoint? Uh, obviously, we expect Sean McCoy to be involved somewhat. But what are you hoping Damian Williams comes out of this game with? I don't think we can hope for anything, honestly, because I don't think LaShawn McCoy is a clear picture as of week one. And that's why I have Damian Williams here, because even against the Jaguars defense, I don't think LaShawn McCoy is a threat, at least for another week or possibly two. So if Damian Williams actually comes to this game, goes all for 100 yards and two scores, I'm going to sell high. I will, because people will be like, oh, everything's going to be fine. Everything's great. I am legitimately worried about LaShawn McCoy. I'm legitimately worried that LaShawn McCoy ends up usurping him and becomes the lead option, even if Damian Williams looks fine. Now, I was team Damian Williams the entire offseason because I said he doesn't need to carry the ball 18 times. He can carry it 12 to 14 times with another four to five receptions per game, just like Jamal Charles was for part of his career. And guess what? In this offense, that's an RB1, and that's why I had Damian Williams. But LaShawn McCoy might be and might force Andy Reid for the first time in a while to start having a full-on committee backfield, and if so, or at least the timeshare between the two of them. And if so, I could see a scenario where McCoy is the lead and Damian Williams is more of the pass-catching option. And in that case, like I said, I guess to answer your question, I hope he comes out and balls out so I can sell all my shares because I have a ton of him. You want him to have a huge game, like one of those games he had down the stretch last year, and you do want to trade him because <laughs> I just don't. And and Andy Andy Reid, you can, I mean, he loves his bell cows. He's been he's been a singular running back guy for years, but in 2001, I think he went back, it was Deuce Staley and Carell Buckhalter. He's done it before. Uh, and then when guys have gotten hurt that have been his main guys, he's kind of, you know, cobbled a little group together. But I think generally he likes to have a number one guy, but I don't, you know, I think that that history with Andy Reid's going to benefit LaShawn McCoy. Damian Williams came over and he, he had a few games and he looked really good, but 
I have a hard time thinking that Andy Reid's going to just bring in LaShawn McCoy and just have him there as, as safety insurance. I think they're going to use him. And I think this is going to be, I agree with Jake, one of the first times in a long time that he kind of plays around with a, with a platoon. So uh, if Damian Williams gets over 100 yards and a touchdown and, and someone's buying into the fact that LaShawn, LaShawn McCoy is just insurance, trade him to that guy for sure. Definitely something to watch out for in week one and right after week one. And as you said, Brandon, should be a very fun matchup. Uh, Chiefs against Jaguars. This should be one of our uh, more intriguing matchups of week one. Uh, Damian Williams is a guy you're both starting. Next guy, not necessarily the case uh, for him. Austin Eckler. Jake, you've got him as running back 21. Brandon, you have him as running back 29. So, Jake, you've got him as a pretty comfortable start. Brandon, uh, running back 29, probably a start when you start factoring in flex spots, but uh, more a guy that you've got right on that start-sit border. Uh, so I'll go to you for the negative point of view, even if you are starting him. Just play the contrarian here. What <laughs> goes wrong for Austin Eckler this week where he ends up being a guy who's outside the top 30 at the position? Yeah, don't hate him and don't don't discount that he could have a top 21 kind of game. But I think we are discounting Justin Jackson's role. I think they are going to be a 50-50 split. And if if the Chargers get ahead, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Justin Jackson that they're using as a milkman in the second half to kind of hold that lead. Um, I also think the Indianapolis Colts, they were a good run defense last year. And yeah, I, you know, it's a whole new world with no Andrew Luck there. Obviously, Andrew Luck can help a defense look pretty good just by, you know, driving that offense. But I I don't think this Indy Colts offense is going to be like terrible. I, I think they'll be I think they'll be somewhat middle of the road. So I think this will be somewhat of a contested game. I think Indy's defense can keep Eckler in check a little bit, especially since I believe as i said in the beginning that this is going to be a lot more of a closer timeshare uh than you know jake's rankings indicate with justin jackson yeah jake your rankings here so you're are you saying with those that this is 70 30 in eckler's favor ballpark 65 35 probably the biggest thing is it's just a touchdown upside more for eckler than it is for jackson in my opinion i think as much as you sprinkle in jackson when you get to there's a goal line and you get into the red zone i think you see more of eckler than you do jackson just because of the skill set i actually like jackson but at the same time i'm still going to lean eckler i mean you have the numbers and i don't think he replicates it but you have those numbers of over five yards of carry and over 10 yards of reception and all that obviously with a full workload he's not going to hit those kind of numbers because he's not god at running back but <laughs> all that being said I still think Eckler is the lead option, and mostly it's it's for the touchdown potential. Running back on the other side of this game is pretty interesting. Uh, Brandon, you mentioned that you don't think the Colts offense is going to fall apart uh, without Andrew Luck. Jacoby Brissett obviously has been under Frank Reich for uh, the whole time Reich's been there, the whole time being a year and change. Uh, this is a different situation than he was in a couple of years ago when he was the starter and Chuck Pagano was still there. You've got Marlon Mack still inside your top 20 this week. Uh, what do you like about Mack's game going into this game? Uh, well, I like the fact that this is a lot better offensive line these days than the last time that J Jacoby Brissett was behind center. Uh, I think this was a team that was positioned to make a run at the Super Bowl, and they were my Super Bowl favorite. And so its replacement value uh, from Luck to Brissett's pretty large. I think it just means they're going to have to lean probably a little bit more on Marlon Mack, try to lean less on the on the arm of their quarterback. And I think Frank Gore had a pretty nice season uh, the last time that Brissett uh, was quarterback. I think this is going to be a little bit more of a run-centric team. So uh, Chargers showed a little bit of vulnerability against the run. I could see, again, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a closer game in which the running backs, you know, the, the carry load from Marlon Mack is going to be pretty good. I like the setup for him. 
Couple more running back situations that I want to hit before we move on to the wide receiver position. One of them, I think, is one we're going to probably end up talking about a lot in this space, you guys. So might as well get started in week one. Uh, It's the San Francisco 49ers, and it's uh, Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida. Now, we know that they are both going to have roles in the offense. What those roles are... Well, it remains to be seen a little bit, and it might be remain to be might remain to be seen even after what we see on the field in Week One. Jake, you've got them right on top of one another. You got Tevin Coleman at twenty seven and Matt Breida at twenty nine. Uh, what's the thinking uh, behind ranking two guys that closely? I, I assume if you have both on a team, you're not going to start both. Is this basically you saying right. if you have one, start him, and if you uh, don't, then obviously don't worry about it. Yeah, one part of that is I'll say that whatever Kyle Shanahan had, Kyle Shanahan does on his depth chart means nothing. If you've never followed Kyle Shanahan, just know that his depth chart means nothing. And just so you know that the fact that Breed is listed in front of Tevin Coleman means nothing. But I still think Coleman is the lead. But as we've seen in the preseason, as we saw last year, Coleman with the Falcons is he's not what people want him to be. He's still good, but he's not what people wanted him to be. And few players lost more money to, for what they could do in free agency because he didn't do that great. And I've said this time and again, this offense for the Falcons wasn't all too dissimilar than Shanahan when he left because Sarkeesian copied the offense the first year and then didn't change it that much the second year. For all intents and purposes, it's not that big of a difference. It's not like he's going back to Shanahan, which is a completely different offense, like he was trying to run out of Chip Kelly's offense or something. So I think if you look at Breida and how good he looked last year and the fact that he looks better in the passing game, despite numbers comparatively, if you watch Breida, you see him look better, have better vision, have better upside in the passing game. I think it ends up being a pretty close split, 60-42, Tevin Coleman, but similar to what we were just talking about. I think Breida outpaces him in the passing game. Now, uh, Brandon, you actually have a pretty big spread between these two guys. you got uh, Breida sitting at RB19 and Tevin Coleman at RB31. Uh, why don't you explain that for us? Well, I think I, I don't disagree with Jake a whole lot. I think this guy is going to be fairly evenly uh, distribu- distributed in the backfield, but I – I think Matt Breed is going to be huge in the passing game for them. I think he's going to be uh, over 50 catches this year. And it comes down to a matter of me thinking that the that the passing game upside for Breed is trumps the trumps the goal line, like touchdown upside of Coleman. And I think they both work into the running game. I, I give Coleman the advantage there, but I think the overall passing game uh, numbers from Brita in a world where I play half PPR almost exclusively or PPR and don't play standard ever. If I'm looking at it from that lens, I think Matt Brita uh, is going to end up having an advantage because I think this is a team where the passing game is going to, you know, I think they're going to be forced into throwing the ball a decent amount. So I think that also lends itself to Brita. Uh, one more thing on this game. How much stock do we put into the fact that this could be uh, a bit of a high scoring matchup between the 49ers and the Buccaneers? I think you lean to that to what Brandon was just saying, that if we're assuming that the Buccaneers are still awful on defense and we're assuming that they're still a powerhouse on offense, especially now with the addition of Arians, you're assuming that this game is going to force the 49ers to play catch up or at least try to keep pace. All right, guys, one more running back situation. By the way, I I make all those assumptions. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't we all? I think I think we I think it's going to be a very fun one for the fantasy players out there. 49ers Buccaneers this Sunday. Uh, And one that might not be quite as fun, but definitely has a lot of running back intrigue is Buffalo and the Jets. We talked about the quarterback situation in this one a little bit earlier. And the running back situation got a whole lot more interesting when LaShawn McCoy uh, got cut from Buffalo. That opened the door for Devin Singletary to take over. You're both taking uh, cautious approaches 
on him this week. Jake, you've got him at uh, running back 41. Brandon, you've got him at running back 37. Brandon, I'll start with you. What's a realistic best-case scenario for Devin Singletary look like in week one? Probably 12 touches, something like that. Maybe 10, 10 carries, a couple catches. I think that's realistic. You got to – You gotta. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Like I said, we got Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon in there, um, and they felt confident enough in that group, including Singletary, to let LaShawn McCoy and his contract go. So uh, we, we feel like Singletary is going to be worked into that mix, but who knows how quickly. And so, I mean, there's a reasonable chance you get four touches out of him and he gives you hardly anything. And because of the, the floor being so low, you have to temper your enthusiasm. I think season long, from the season long lens, you feel pretty good about Singletary bubbling to the top and being the main guy here but uh in week one all bets are off jake i'll come to you for the opposite perspective if you start devin singletary and by four o'clock eastern time you're throwing up your hands saying i can't believe i started him what's gone wrong (laughs) it's gone wrong is this a complete blown committee for you and that tj yeldon is just average tj yeldon but still demanding touches and frank gore is still hanging on for his life somehow and getting touches and uh, everybody ends up with eight to ten carries or even just eight to ten touches overall and that's all you get out of this and the jets defense is actually middle of the road i I actually have a column that comes out on thursdays it's defensive backs adjusted points allowed for positions and they're middle of the road against running backs so they're not bad they're not good they're middle of the road they should be strong enough to keep them in check and if josh allen is doing all the rushing i I have said this before i actually think josh allen is going to lead this team in rushing this year what uh are we thinking let's give let's say percent chance uh come to you first brandon percent chance for singletary um, Yeldon and Gore to be the leading rusher, leading non-Josh Allen rusher for this team over the full season. Oh, I think you know. I think you got to go fifty percent chance for Singletary. Um, then maybe if you're talking just a leading rusher, thirty percent maybe for Gore and twenty percent for Yeldon. But I, I think Yeldon you bump up just in terms of total yards because I think Yeldon will actually be pretty involved in the passing game, and he might you know, he might give you a nice bump in that regard. I think he's someone that we're not talking about a whole lot because he could end up being just the, the pure, you know, all the time passing down guy. Nah, it's because he stinks. <laughs> no, he's, but he, you know, he's decent in the passing game. So he's not, he's decent at everything. That's why nobody gets it. Cause he's just decent at everything. That's all he is. That's the, he's okay, the definition well, well, when you so, flip him up. So there you go. 50, 30, 20. Where are you at on that, Jake? I wasn't going to go like a, even hundred between the three of them, because I think each one in their own right has their own percentage. So I'm going a little bit different. I would say 50% for Singletary, 50% for Frank Gore. Although now my number is going to be a hundred because it's zero for TJ Yeldon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I smell a TJ Yeldon receiving yards side bet somewhere along the line here. (laughs) (laughs) The the one that nobody cared about. (laughs) Well, I know that's that's the one you have to worry about. You guys would know for sure that you'd have the only TJ Yeldon side bet in the entire country. (laughs) So there'd be something, there'd be something to be said for that. (laughs) <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, let's hit some wide receivers here. Uh, first team I want to talk about, we hinted at it when we were talking Jared Goff and quarterbacks, is the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Jake, you have Brandon Cooks as your top Rams receiver, wide receiver 14. Brandon, you've got Cooper Cup as yours at wide receiver 17. Again, all three of you are starting, or both of you are starting all three of them. Uh, the, the exact rankings are going to be a little bit different, uh, but why Jake? Is Brandon Cooks your top Rams receiver for week one? 
Yeah, because it's pretty much going to be Brandon Cooks every single week for me. That's probably going to end up being projected for the most. Because if you look at his game log, it's not as inconsistent as people remember, especially a couple of years ago, uh, back with the Saints. And now that he's with the Rams and now with Jared Goff, even after that week I was talking about, after their bye week, his numbers declined, but he still popped off here and there. But if you look at before that, specifically before that, he had one game where he didn't have at least eight half point. And to Brandon, I, I always go half point PPR. He had eight, nine, 9.3. Everything else was double digits. It was one down game. And in that down game, it was still 53 yards. Like if you're going to complain about 53 yards, I'm going to be happy that he's my, I would have no problems in my number one if I went running back, running back. So because of Cook's ceiling of those 100 yard games with a touchdown and his floor is basically 50, 60 yards, which is about the probably eight or nine half point PPR points, I'm going to have Cook's pretty much the top every single week. Brandon, why Cooper Cup on top of your Rams receiver rankings for week one? Uh, because I feel like he really is Jared Goff's favorite target. I know uh, he was great in the red zone, and it's, I don't think that was an accident. I, you don't want to chase touchdowns, but a Cooper Cup uh, has always been good in the red. I mean, even at Eastern Washington, he was putting up two touchdowns. Every year he played a Pac-12 team and just eviscerated him, and, and he's just he's he's savvy around the end zone. I, I like his touchdown upside better than anybody else at the wide receiver position with the Rams. Uh, so I think as much as Jake will lean on cooks is probably his league guy. Every time I will lean on Cooper cup. Um, but I feel like, you know, with the Rams, it's these guys are going to all end up kind of being somewhat close and like in a given week, one guy could be the 10th wide receiver. The other guy could be the 20th. The other guy could be the 30th. And so I kind of end up splitting the difference with all of them and kind of ranking them right around 20 right. Uh, week in week out. Basically, if you drafted a Rams receiver, just start him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have a Ram, almost get him in the lineup. Unless it's uh, unless maybe Daryl Henderson, we want to see a little bit more uh, out of him. I've been putting you guys uh, at odds quite a bit in this show, so why not bring you together uh, in for, at the receiver position? Dede Westbrook, a uh, guy who became very popular toward the end of draft season. You both got him as wide receiver 23. Uh, Brandon, let's start with you. What's the argument for Dede Westbrook as a comfortable start in week one? I believe that he, uh, you know, will be the go-to guy. Uh, he can play him inside and out. I've always liked his talent. Always hated a situation uh, paired with Blake Bortles. I think uh, no matter what you think of Nick Foles, it's hard. It'd be hard to take the angle that it's not an upgrade over Blake Bortles in the passing game. Um, there's a lot of there's a guy, a lot of other guys in the receiving core there that either either have been failures to launch or they're just very inexperienced. So uh, I just like D.D. Westbrook from an all-around talent standpoint in an improved situation. And John Filippo, the offensive coordinator, you don't think they're going to, you know, there's a possibility that they're not going to be quite as conservative offensively as we've seen from them in recent years. So um, he's my bet to be the go-to guy here uh, for the Jaguars. And, you know, the matchup against the Chiefs, Again, we can play this narrative, and we don't know anything going into the year, but if you think the Chiefs are going to be able to put some points on the board, uh, it's going to be hard for the Jacksonville Jaguars to sit back and lean on Leonard Fournette all day. Jake, anything to add there? No, the downside, obviously, is if the Jaguars somehow slow down the Chiefs, and if they somehow do and then try to play ball control to that last point with Leonard Fournette. But I don't think anybody out there is really assuming that's the most likely scenario. That's just the downside. And to go to the DD Westbrook, yeah, I, I called him like, I think when you say poor man's, it sounds disrespectful and usually that's the intent. Uh, but so that's why I've been calling DD Westbrook Antonio Brown light 
I, he's not Antonio Brown, but he is similar in style and ability, but he's the light version of him. He's not quite as good, obviously, but to Brandon's point, Nick Foles is, hey, I was talking to D'Angelo Williams, the Jaguars are a Super Bowl winning pick because he thinks Nick Foles is going to end up being the MVP. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no matter what you think, whether you, whether you think uh, something in between that and uh, what Brandon said, obviously <laughs> he is an upgrade uh, from Blake Bortles. Uh, the next guy, uh, let me just, listeners, so the way I went through this was I, I looked at Jake's rankings first, I made some notes, and then I checked Brandon's and I looked for interesting points of comparison and also uh, made some notes on his, and that's where we come together here. Uh, so one guy who stood out to me on Jake's was uh, Dante Pettis at wide receiver 37. I thought, all right, Jake, uh, not too worried about the uh, Kyle Shanahan lighting a fire under him, giving him the motivational comments uh, during the summer and during training camp. And I look over at Brandon, he's got him at wide receiver 31, an easy start uh, in three wide receiver leagues. So, uh, Brandon, I'll start with you. Uh, not worried at all about the uh, summer of Shanahan's discontent as it relates to Dante Pettis? I wasn't ever too worried. I listened to it and, you know, I kind of weighed it and molded it. But I was like, Dante Pettis was a good receiver last year. He was the best receiver they had. Um, and and it, maybe it was, you know, a little bit of motivation. But they're very young uh, at receiver there. Pettis comes in. He has that experience. You got Marquise Goodwin. I, I kind of figured it would, you know, it would be Pettis and Goodwin early on as as kind of the main guys. And that Samuel and Hurd and, and the other guys in the mix would kind of be brought along and up to speed as they went. So I feel like uh, for Pettis, you know, he's going to, he's going to start maybe having to fight off the competition from those young guys uh, going forward. But I, it's kind of like, I feel good about week one and maybe the first couple of weeks of the season that he's going to be a little bit more clearly distanced ahead of them, uh, you know, for out of the gates. So, I don't know. I don't know that Jake and I are like are too far apart. We're talking about oh, yeah. wide re- wide receiver three range here. I, I guess no, I'm I hate him. More com- <laughs> 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 but uh, again, I, we talked about this game before. We think it's we think it's going to be a track race. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so I'm. So, and to I'm be put- honest, if it wasn't, I'd have him lower. It's I, I, I'm not buying into you know that we're talking about. We're joking about. It. I'm not buying into the whole like oh you have to earn your way into a job and all that type of stuff. But I think part of last year and just. Dante Pettis as a whole is I'm not huge on his talent. I think he has upside, but I think he caps out. If you're talking NFL, I think he caps out as a true number two. I don't think he has the full all around game to be a number one. I think part of the reason he was number one and and for all intents and purposes, any receiver is still number two behind George Kittle on this team. Um, But for for last year, I think he was default number one because of everything else that was around him. I think Debo Samuel, according to the depth chart, but again, at Shanahan, according to the depth chart, he's the one working his way into the lineup, but I think he's the best route runner or one of the best route runners in this draft class. I think he's going to pressure him. I think Goodwin is still going to demand down the field looks. So I think that by, again, default, Pettis is the number one, but he's truly the number two behind Kittle. And then I do think Goodwin and Samuel are going to take enough away that I don't know that Pettis is going to be reliable consistent wise. Is there any concern? And I guess we can blow this out to all the receivers on this team. Uh, about volume because of George Kittle being the true wide receiver one, because we know Tevin Coleman and Brita are going to be involved in the passing game. Uh, Is there any worry that no one separates himself? Not just that. We still haven't seen a full season of Jimmy Garoppolo. Hell, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't played with half these players. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) That, and then when Jimmy Garoppolo did have the finish to the season a couple, two years ago now, he had the yards, but if everybody has forgotten already, the touchdowns weren't there. So, and I'm not saying this isn't a different team because we can say that all the time. I'm just saying, 
for the flip side, I, and I'm definitely playing devil's advocate because I've been on the, I'm not with everybody else in the hype of the 49ers, is there are a lot of questions on this offense to for everybody to just assume it's going to be great. Now, can it be? Absolutely. And Shanahan is a good offensive mind. All that being said, Garoppolo hasn't played a full season. Debo wasn't on this team. He had Garoppolo hasn't played that much with even George Kittle. There's a lot here where this offense has too many questions for me to just be like, yeah, everything's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to uh, watch this one very closely early on in the season and start learning some things about uh, what is top to bottom a, a team with a lot of fantasy names, but we're not quite sure uh, fantasy goodness just yet. A little bit down your guys' rankings from where you have Dante Pettis. Uh, again, about the same spread. Brandon a little bit higher but effectively the same sort of ranking as Cortland Sutton, Jake at wide receiver 44, Brandon at wide receiver 37. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you on this one. Not too much concern about the Emmanuel Sanders miraculous recovery as it affects Cortland Sutton. No, because the person he affects is the one that broke my heart, and that's Deshaun Hamilton. <laughs> that that's the one that I'm like most upset about. My Deshaun is now left to the side while Emmanuel Sanders had the magic juice that Steve Smith had because that's the role. The Emmanuel Sanders is the best suited receiver for Joe Flacco on this offense. Deshaun Hamilton was going to step into that role. Cortland Sutton was always going to be the number two, the bigger, bigger play guy, the bigger red zone threat. And I still think Quilton Sutton's a nice play. I actually wanted to rank him higher. And I was trying to find ways to, to move him up just personally. Like my projections spit out and I always do make my own little tweaks, but I don't try to go too against my projections because usually I'm usually my projections are usually more right than I am for my gut feeling. Although I always tell people to trust your gut. Uh, Sutton, I actually like the fact that Brandon is giving him respect to it because I think he's going to be their top red zone threat. But it just comes down to do I really see Joe Flacco throwing for two, three touchdowns? I actually think this is a game where because it's Oakland that they could control it enough that Joe Flacco doesn't have to throw 300 yards and two or three touchdowns. You think Denver controls this one? That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, how, what, what's your feeling on this uh, matchup? Yeah. Last game of week one, Broncos Raiders, the Monday night nightcap. Denver's not even the favorite here. Uh, and Jake's got him controlling this one. Uh, That's because well, Vegas is drunk. How's Dave, Denver not the favorite? <laughs> no, Get out of here. They've been is, watching uh, too much hard knocks. <laughs> Denver <laughs> wasn't that great last year. You, you got to think Oakland's improved a little bit with their with their Josh Jacobs and Antonio Brown. Is Denver the still not one of the best defenses in the league? Well, I think they'll be better because of Fangio for sure. And they got some great talent on that side, no doubt. Look, we both like Corlett Sutton. I... I it's it's amazing for me. Michael Salfino just came out with a with a column uh, about big play candidates and and for distance bonus leagues. And he in his little stat, which is a percentage of catches that are over twenty yards, and he adds in an air yards per target uh, to come up with his little his little model for the guys that stand out. And Cortland Sutton was number one at wide receiver, which blows me away because I screamed at the TV week in and week out because of Case Keenum and his little. BB gun arm and the fact that he was such an ill fit for Cortland Sutton and you would see these disconnects all the time and as bad as I, I think Joe Flacco is I think he's a better deep ball thrower still even though uh, you know that's not saying a whole lot it's just it's he's better than Case Keenum I think it's going to allow him a little more upside in that regard and uh, and to Jake's point as well I do think he is going to be the the kind of the main red zone threat as well. So Flacco throws one or two touchdowns. Uh, I think one of them goes to Sutton. And I think he, you know, week in and week out, is going to have a chance to make some big plays, uh, at least more so than he did last year. Yeah, you both got him on that wide receiver four range. So certainly in the flex discussion for both you guys. We got to move on to tight ends, but I want to ask you guys both for just one more 
wide receiver, deep play, who you'd be comfortable going with in week one. Jake, let's start with you. Oh, it's Cole Beasley. I'm actually writing him up in my that what I was talking about before the adjusted points allowed matchup column because it's not just the rapport that we've already seen from him coming to this team. Is the way that you make a, re, a quarterback like Josh Allen batter? The, the and why I keep comparing him to Cam Newton is because if you watch what happened with the Panthers, they thought, hey, get Cam Newton, big guys, big guys, big guys, because they'll catch everything. When they started getting smaller, quicker options, and you know the Steve Smiths of the world, and now DJ Moore's like, that's when Cam Newton became better. So talking about People have learned things and McDermott's of the world and all that type of stuff is that's what they're doing with Josh Allen. If you've seen, he's looked really good with Cole Beasley. And if you talk about this matchup specifically, this is a highly exploitable slot defense option for wide receivers. I think Cole Beasley, I'm just going to give you, Cole Beasley is going to be in some of my DFS lineups. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Brandon, how about one deep receiver for you that you're comfortable rolling with in week one? I like to set up for Michael Gallup this week. Uh, Amari Cooper has been dealing with the foot uh, injury a bit. It's going to probably be shadowed by Janoris Jenkins. Um, you got Ezekiel Elliott not going to come in probably with the, the fullest load that he might normally get. So uh, Gallup is a guy who has flashed uh, at times in his career. He's got big play potential. He's one of the, one of those guys that can go up and and you know make big plays deep down the field. And I think he you know against DeAndre Baker. Uh, likely for a lot of the time uh, Giants corner. I think he's got a matchup advantage there that Dallas will take advantage of. All right, guys, let's hit a few tight ends before we put a bow on this debut episode of the ranking show. Uh, first two guys I want to talk about, you guys have very close, both low end tight end one. So let's just say one of you guys take one, one of you guys take the other. Uh, Delaney Walker, Jake, you've got him tight end 10. Brandon, you've got him tight end nine. Greg Olson, Jake, you've got him tight end 13, and Brandon, you've got him tight end 12. So, uh, Jake, I'll start with you and Delaney Walker. Comes back from the gruesome leg injury last year. You throw him right into that tight end one, low end tight end one fire. What do you like about him in week one? I just like the fact that Delaney Walker, as long as he hasn't lost the enormous step of the injury, which is always possible, but before that, he was top five year in and year out. It was top five, top five, top five, Delaney Walker. And the biggest thing here is, you know, again, to talk about the quarterback play, if you want something to get kind of attraction going in this offense, you're going to play the short to intermediate game. You're going to play the middle of the field and play in the middle of the field in that short intermediate game. And the one person who has shown any rapport with Marcus Mariota in the past is Delaney Walker. I just think it's a nice setup to get him out on a good foot. I do think that Corey Davis is going to be better than people think this year, despite the quarterback play. But if you're looking for the person that's going to be, I can see getting double digit targets just to try and get them in a flow to start things passing game wise. That's why I like Delaney Walker. All right, Brandon, take us over to Greg Olson, another guy who uh, dealt with injury all year last year, some uh, really serious foot injuries. He's into his mid-30s, but you've still got him as tight end 12. Is this just a case of, hey, he's healthy now, or do you think this is something that can last all season? Yeah, well, I, I will make no bets about him staying healthy all season, but he's healthy now. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And, you know, just based on the numbers, this isn't a bad matchup in terms of, you know, how the Rams defended the tight end last year. But you look at the meat of Olson's season last year he had what four four touchdowns in a five game run he actually you know if you take off the bookend games where where you know you kind of just like look at the middle of the season when he was healthiest he, he was putting up decent numbers uh they lose Devin Funchess uh, I think he's you know he's going to be a guy that Cam should look to in the red zone um and yeah I, I like the setup I think as long as Greg Olson's healthy he showed enough that he has enough less last year that you can feel pretty good about him as kind of a borderline tight end one. 
Uh, Jake, on Greg Olson also, any concern that even from a targets per game standpoint that he's fourth on this team behind McCaffrey, Moore, and Curtis Samuel? Oh, 100%. I actually kind of think that is the scenario. I just, this is a week where, you know what, you have tight ends and for matchup purposes, it's fine. I mean, you're talking about a game where we're projecting a high over under. So that's really like if it was Carolina against, uh, I'm trying to think of Jacksonville, of course, comes to mind, but I was trying to think of somebody actually like New Orleans. New Orleans actually got a pretty def- decent defense. I'd be a little bit more hesitant, although they could put up points too. I think maybe the better one would be like Seattle. The point being is, the over-under pushes him up a little bit. Most weeks, I'll probably have Greg Olson as a mid, uh, probably tight end, too, unless we really see him show up in week one. All right. One guy who you guys actually did have an interesting little bit of difference at the tight end position on was Jimmy Graham. Jake, you've got him as tight end 14. Uh, so just off that uh, that bottom, uh, that tight end one class. Brandon, you've got him as tight end 19. So basically off the radar. Maybe in deeper leagues, you're thinking about him. Brandon, we'll start with you. What's the case against Jimmy Graham in week one? And uh, yeah, I'm sort of just realizing now that they're playing on Thursday night, but we can still answer this question. A lot of people will be listening to this before uh, (laughs) Bears Packers take the field on Thursday night. The case against him is 2018. Um, but look, at I, when you get down to this tight end range, e- even with Jake, you're you're basically factoring what percentage of a touchdown you think they might score. Like yeah. If you if you score a touchdown as a tight end, you're basically a tight end one. If you don't, you're outside of there. Uh, unless you're unless you're a guy that's a compiler like a Zach Ertz, somebody can, you know, or, or the or the big three where you you can week in and week out put up 75 plus yards. But that's not Jimmy Graham anymore. It's got to be he's got to find the end zone. So I'm betting on Jimmy Graham not finding the end zone in this game against the Bears. Jake, is this just you think he's got some touchdown upside and that's why he falls at 14? Uh, it's kind of more the people behind him. Like the Colts, I actually think that Ebron and Doyle are going to cannibalize each other for as long as they're both on the field. Kyle Rudolph did nothing outside of two games at the end of the year last year, which to Brandon's point, vaulted him from unranked outside. Like he was, I think, tight end 21 or something like that. And also, boom, into the tight end one conversation at the end of the year just by that one two or two week performance. Uh, I love Darren Waller, but. If you're going to tell me week one who I'm rolling out there, I'm probably going to go with Jimmy Graham and just unless I'm just going for pure upside. So it's not I'm that excited about Jimmy Graham. It's just more about who he's in front of. All right, guys, let's wrap up our first show with this question right here. Uh, If there is someone I tell you right now, I, I come back from the future on Monday or Tuesday and there is a super popular tight end on waivers. Who's it's going to be? Brandon, give me your guy first. Oh, you got to go to me first. Okay, <laughs> let me see. I just told you um, who. Just take Darren Waller. Darren, Darren Waller, right. Um, <laughs> I, I would put Darren Waller right up there. If I had to throw out another name, it would either be um, Noah Fant because a rookie made good early or – here's the random one like Tyler Eifert has as much upside as anybody or a Jordan oh, Reed. My pick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are guys that no one's talking about, but that's only because those guys haven't been healthy when they're healthy. They could be, they could be as good as anybody out there. So Eifert and Reed are guys that I would, I would keep an eye on. Uh, although, Reed's already trying to come back from a concussion, so let's go with Tyler Eifert. Well, so so if, if Reed's out, you just go pick up Vernon Davis because he was great in every game that Jordan Reed didn't play in. I was actually going to say right. Eifert because people are forgetting Eifert's healthy as of right now. That's all you. It's, that's all you need to know as of right now, and that would make him the number two behind Tyler Boyd. I'll get since you mentioned the guys I was going to mention. I'll, I'll go with Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews for the Ravens, who I actually think is somebody that should be rostered in general let alone the fact that he's not and facing the Dolphins. If he could easily pop off for sixty yards and a touchdown. 
this is your guys' yeah, show. I right. just sit back, I, I steer things, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take some uh, executive license and throw one more name out there. Jakey just said the Dolphins. Mike Kosicki, I think, could end up being a very intriguing guy on that team. He's someone who I've got on some deeper teams and someone who I'll be having a, a pretty watchful eye on here in week one. I like Ridiculous that pick. athleticism. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll, I'll admit that I basically stole it from our colleague, Emery Hunt, but still I'm going to claim <laughs> it as my, in this venue, I'll claim it as my own. When I talk to Emery, I'll give him all the credit. <laughs> if Fitzpatrick throws for 300 yards, I mean, Gasicki's going to be involved. There you go. And that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been known to throw for 300 yards in week one before, hasn't he? Yeah, he multiple has. games in a row. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to do it here for our week one edition of The Ranking Show. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us. Uh, if you are listening to this on uh, iTunes, Spotify, any other uh, free service, please rate, review, subscribe. We'll be coming to you right here every Wednesday, every single week of the fantasy season. And just as a quick reminder, every Friday we will have a subscribers-only update show on the athletic website so be sure to subscribe so you can check that out as well uh for jake seeley you can follow him at all in kid on twitter brandon funston you can follow at brandon funston i am michael beller thanks again for joining us uh good luck in week one enjoy all the week one games we'll be right back with you uh, on the ranking show next wednesday for week two <laughs>